holiday tips and fun facts from Paul, Kristen, and Dexter at Total Wine & More. My friends still rave about the Prosecco I brought last year. Let me help make your Friendsgiving unforgettable. Bordeaux is one of the world's most popular red blends, made from Cabernet, Cab Franc, and Merlot. It also makes the perfect gift for your picky boss. Having turkey and all the fixings? I suggest an easy-drinking Pinot Noir. For white drinkers, try an unoaked Chardonnay. Whether you're entertaining or just bringing the wine, we'd love to share our always low prices and ridiculous selection with you this holiday. Now offering same-day delivery at TotalWine.com. Cheers! Buckle up, because Metro is bringing you the best deal in wireless. Switch to Metro and get your choice of two awesome free phones from top brands like Samsung and LG with huge HD screens and tons of memory for all your pics and videos. So hurry into Metro and get your awesome free phones only at Metro. Plus sales tax and activation fee. Requires port and of eligible number not currently active on T-Mobile Network or active on Metro in past 90 days. Limit four per account or household. Restrictions apply. See store for details and terms and conditions. This week on the Formation Lap, Luke eats Taco Bell during the Mexican Grand Prix. It uh, might have ate it just a little too much because he missed about 10 laps. But that's okay because that's what happens when you eat Taco Bell. No judgment here. None at all. And this week, Tim and Luke go a little bit more slowly through the scuttlebutt sector because there are quite a few twists and turns and we don't want to spin it like Vettel. Cue the tunes. This is the Formation Lab. Welcome one, welcome all to the Formation Lap Podcast, the only podcast available exclusively through the F1 Mobile Manager game, where you can open crates to find our podcast. Oh, turns out you just opened a crate and all you got were 10 Lance Stroll cards. Bummer. Try next time. But you could cash them in for all the money in the world from Papa Stroll, because that's what he has. He has all the money in the world. He's probably going to go buy Mercedes. You know who has a lot of money? Carlos Slim's son, I think. But speaking of Mexico, <laughs> the Mexican Grand Prix started. That's what we call a segue. That uh, segue nicely done. <laughs> we did have a race in Mexico through the baseball stadium, which we both think is awesome. And my wife even thought was cool. Right? She's like, that actually is that a grandstand they made specifically? I'm like, no. She's <laughs> like, that looks like a baseball stadium. It is. Really? Yeah. How much did that cost? I don't know. A lot. <laughs> One of the coolest things is uh it, it's no longer used as a baseball stadium because they built the new one in the middle of the track. Have you seen that one? Yeah. That baseball stadium is insane, dude. It is, it is pretty ridiculous. And, you know, the if if the fans that were there at the race are any indication of the baseball fans that show up, they deserve it. Oh, my gosh, right? They love them some sports. It was really cool to see. So, anyway, hi, I'm Luke. I'm joined by Tim. If you can't tell, we're two Americans. That's why we're focusing on the baseball uh, to start off right there. Yeah, kindred spirits. Yeah, you know what? Yeah, baseball is baseball's awesome. It's awesome all over North America. Asia has a great, great love for baseball. Europeans, you guys are lagging behind. Go go appreciate a good pitcher battle. Please. We're catching up with you on F1. Catch up with our baseball. Right, right. So anyway, the, uh, the Mexican Grand Prix, right? You come in. Ferrari's sitting one, two after that, of course, controversial Max Verstappen being removed from pole position, which we'll talk about. But uh, Ferrari sets it up one, two. And Tim, I think I tweeted this. I think you tweeted this. I think our good friends at the Outlap F1 podcast tweeted this. I think everybody tweeted it or thought about it, which is how does Ferrari mess it up this time? You and felt it coming God. like a, you felt it coming on like a head cold. It was inevitable. You knew it was going to happen and you were going to hate every second of it. Because Ferrari's just going to keep doing Ferrari things this year, apparently, and we're going to bungle the strategy. There's a reason they're in the probation section, and they probably should be moved to the wall of shame this week for this holy cow, abysmal 
performance, but we'll get there in a second. Um, yeah, they they qualified. They qualified one two with Charlotte Claire and Sebastian Vettel uh, in that order. Uh, Max got bumped down for a penalty. Um, they all weekend long practice sessions, qualifying sessions. They had the pace. They had the engine that ran better at the alt at altitude that cooled better. Um, they ha- and then Mercedes did. Yeah, I was going to say their engine was. I mean, last week I said Ferrari is the heir apparent, the first place apparent coming in this week at Mexico. And I think everybody agreed with me and everybody didn't have a problem with that until Ferrari bungled up. Christian Horner said, I I think it was during free practice three, Ferrari are 0.8 seconds faster on the straight, the the start-finish line straight, than Red Bull. So where did that pace go? Uh, Yeah. Yeah, and I understand Mercedes actually did make adjustments uh, to the car right before the qualification, right before the race, or right before qualifications. It would be yeah, I was just saying because they would have been in park for May and they couldn't touch it. But they did make adjustments to increase their pace. But Ferrari just they find a way to to mess it up. So before we deep dive into Ferrari uh, overall impressions on the race, so I thought that it was actually thoroughly entertaining for mostly start to finish. There was always some level of drama going on. There was always some thread of intrigue that you could look at. I wouldn't say it's an all-time great race, but I thought it was a pretty solid race. I, I would give it a solid B- minus if I were giving it a letter grade. Here, I'm feeling a B. Okay. Um, so we're kind of close. I would say um, the first half of the race, like the first you know 20 laps especially, uh, were very, very entertaining. You had a lot of drama. You had a lot of uh, closer racing. But um, toward the latter stages for me, I got pretty bored because they couldn't they couldn't get close. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, the air density is so low um, because of the altitude that, you know, they, they just couldn't follow in the dirty air. Um, and so you didn't have a lot of passing. You didn't have, uh, you know, a lot going on beyond that. And it was just like, can Hamilton hold on to his tires? Of course he can. He's a master at it. I will say I fell for the, there's no way Hamilton catches on, like holds on, really? Like, because I was watching and my friend, he's he's not really huge into Formula One, but he knows enough about racing to watch. And he goes, "I is Hamilton going to hold on? And I'm like, I mean, if I had to guess, yes, but I just, I have a gut feeling like, it's 48 laps on the hearts. That is a ridiculous stint. It is, but, you know, Pirelli had put, what, 50 laps as a lifetime? So it wasn't outside the realm of possibility. And to be honest, he didn't have to do a whole lot to keep, you know, for, for to keep Ferrari at bay. He didn't have to do a whole lot to keep Vettel at bay. He just had to kind of stick it right where he should in a neutral position. He wasn't too aggressive, wasn't too lackadaisical. Um, you know, I, I do think I, I'm getting really, really tired of people being like, oh, my God, there was a little bit of damage on the floor. He's Superman. Yes, I know. Lewis Hamilton is a generational talent. I will never, ever, ever deny him that. He's an amazing racer. But do we really have to pet his ego this much? We don't have to act like it's one hand tied behind his back. I think exactly. if you look at most cars that finish the race, they're going to have some sort of damage that's equivalent or somewhere around the realm of, yeah, that probably made you a little bit slower, but that doesn't mean that, like, you know, he, they're fighting with one hand tied behind their back and, you know, a blindfold. Right. Yeah, it's like it's not like the, the knight from uh, the Monty Python skit's going to come and win. You know, it's like, 
No, it's just Lewis is really very good. He's an amazing driver. He gets the best car, and he puts it where it should be, I miles think, ahead of everybody else, two laps up on some on some of the back markers. I think you're getting why I'm not fond of Lewis Hamilton now, because that is, that's, that's been my feeling, is he's a generational talent. He's a phenomenal driver. He has a phenomenal team. That, that German Mercedes team is just so precise and scientific about it. They've really upped what an F1 team is expected to do. But I'm tired of hearing about it to this point. I really, point. really, I'm so sick of it. Well, like, I'm sick of hearing, like, oh, they might be weak. Who knows? No, they're not. <laughs> no, they're, they're Mercedes, not. for crying out loud. Let's talk about Mercedes. So, uh, Lewis Hamilton, he does the Lewis Hamilton thing that he's been doing a few times this season, which is massage those tires into a lifespan that's longer than I think most people anticipated. Takes home first place on a one-stop strategy, which is interesting to me because... The thought was that a two-stopper or a three-stopper would actually be uh, faster faster at Mexico. But it turned out the tire degradation was just super low. And I think that had to do uh, mostly with the fact that the sun wasn't out and it was was overcast most of the time. It was supposed to rain, which meant the the air was a little cooler. And uh, it wasn't quite the, you know, blistering Mexican heat that you would expect. And you had quite a few teams really struggle with that, specifically McLaren, um, to turn those hard tires on. Um, their pace dropped hilariously mm-hmm. when they put the hard tires on. Now, that's if they got the hard tires on in the first place. I know I'm skipping down a little bit in our rundown. But uh, McLaren, with their start on the mediums, were just unbelievable. They got up to fourth and fifth. They were running with the front markers. Carlos Sainz was was wheel to wheel with Lewis Hamilton through the first section. By the way, that first in that first uh, or was it the second chicane? I think he straight up overtook Hamilton. Yeah, and it's like that's amazing racing. That's exactly what I want to see, and mm-hmm. kind of what we suspected and talked about last week, which was the Renault engine can run a little bit cooler and might be able to keep pace, uh, but they just couldn't turn the tires on in the second stint. And uh, Lando Norris, who I believe now is qualified for the worst luck on the grid didn't get his uh tire on had an unsafe release and then they just retired the car because why beat the daylights out of it um for a 20th place um and then carlos Sainz, i think he came in 13th 14th something like that 13th or 14th yeah i was i we usually start with mcclair or mercedes or, or ferrari let's start with mcclair and then let's dive into this let's because uh you know We've talked about we both have enjoyed this team this year, right? We've talked about how Lando or Lando Norris is really Spider Man, Peter Parker incarnate, right? He's young, he's got the moves, right? Maybe he's got the intelligence. Maybe lacks a little bit of the experience that some of the other more bold superheroes will do. And uh, I think it's hilariously on character that Lando Norris also has Peter Parker has the worst luck of of oh anybody. My God, there. It's so brutal. Like, you you know, you see it go, and you're like, no, 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 no. You can kind of see the, the back left, mm-hmm. or, well, it's on the screen, back left, but it's the uh, back, back, right. Right, back right tire um, kind of flopping a bit. You're like, no. And you see him pull over, and they, you know, have to run all the way down the pit lane, push it all the way back, secure it, then let him go out, and he just has a miserable race. Um, because then the tires don't turn on, mm-hmm. and it's just, uh, you know, whatever. I think, and Andre Seidel uh, mm-hmm. actually came out and said that uh, later on they decided to stop his car since uh, we're running several parameters of the car at the limit and don't want to risk any damage. 
Yeah, uh, the one I found was some parameter of the cards were over the limit. Again, it's we don't want to damage the car because we've lost everything on that pit stop. It, you know, it's kind of a miracle that they were even able to push it back because he was a couple feet from that line where you where it's just unsalvageable. But uh, you saw when you saw that happen, and as as a guy who's rooted for Haas for many years, I just I know the feeling of that. And as a guy who's beginning to root for McLaren to see that again, I'm going. Maybe I need to start rooting for Mercedes. Yeah, I but, mean, it's who knows. It's going to be. I think you know this. the The entirety of this weekend was rough. I'm excited for McLaren to have a Mercedes power unit. Mm-hmm. I think that they'll be able to run with the front runners, and I would. I want to see a privateer team up there. I will say, Lando had quite the superhero moment over the radio following that when they told. I believe they told him to be a little conservative or just you know take it home, and he said, "No, this is, race is going to be about what could have been." And I'm going to go all out and, and prove what could have been. That's people's champion stuff. Right that is there. people's champion stuff. That is that is something that freaking Spider-Man himself would say. Is that not a superhero? Ride? It is. It absolutely is. Um, but oh, it just it, it broke my heart. And yeah. to see Carlos signs, you know, going toe to toe with the champs through the first stint was Really, really awesome, and, and and I knew that that wasn't going to hold when he overtook them on the when he overtook you know yeah. the chance on the first lap. You knew that was going to hold, but you hope that you can get a few laps of that's right, boys. We're knocking on the door, right? Uh, of you're going to be our supplier, but we're not going to be you know pushed around, right? We're gonna we we want to we want to do to you what we did to Renault, right? Which is we want to be up with you and then beating you, but uh, he. Dropped from P4 to P13. That's a pretty big drop. The team hasn't said anything about what it was. I, I know I and you both suspect they couldn't get the hard tires turned on. But uh, if you can't get the hard tires turned on uh, and it drops you that bad, that tells me that other teams figured out how to do it. Um, so that could be something worth investigating. Or they might have just mitigated the damage war better than you did. Right. And they couldn't get it turned on, but they you know just fared a little bit better um you know it was a it was a game of inches at that point um but yeah that was kind of heartbreaking to see but we'll bounce back up to the top um and look at uh we we've kind of talked about mercedes mercedes uh things didn't start easily but they ended up pretty easy and the thing is is that mercedes didn't win ferrari lost yeah, and Ferrari lost. I think you could also argue that Max Verstappen lost as well. Ooh, so let's yeah, let's go into Red Bull. Yeah, let's well let's start with the with the opening incident and we can dive into Red Bull from there. Okay. The opening Sounds turn good. incident, which was Hamilton and uh, Verstappen find each other coming out of corner one. That whole complex is a right left a right hand right hand right angle turn and then a left right chicane. Coming out of the first turn in that complex, they found each other, they hit each other, and then in turn two, of course, Hamilton uh, yet again took a shortcut. Uh, <laughs> and no penalty. I mean, oh. I mean, to be fair, though, Verstappen absolutely took a bigger shortcut. Oh, and, absolutely. And, and didn't, didn't get a penalty either. Yeah. I, think, I think that was one of them where it's like, yeah, that's the safest option. That's fine. Yeah. But uh, that incident kind of set the stage for how the opening laps of the race would go because you saw what I found intriguing was usually you see this kind of drama in the midfield in the McLarens in the Renaults in the Haases right mm-hmm. but I mean it still took place in the midfield it was in what fifth sixth 
I think it was somewhere or yep. yeah, fourth and fifth. Fourth and fifth. And but then it because was, Max was bumped back for mm-hmm. the uh safety car infraction right. in qualifying. Totally fair. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the stewards were right. But what I found interesting was that you don't usually ever see this drama involving those two teams. You don't see Mercedes getting in first turn drama. No. With, or Red Bull, for that matter. No, you don't. And here's something I actually wanted to bring up, and I don't know if you had uh, gotten ahead of me and thought about this before I did because uh, uh, we're at that point with our show because you can kind of see where I'm going with stuff. Um, I think we're actually seeing shades of old Max. I think we are as well. So let's talk. Let's park it at Max Verstappen right here. Uh, he failed to slow down under yellow when Boda slammed the wall in qualifying in Q3, Q3 right? And one, correct me if I'm wrong, but he had already he was already in pole at that at that point, right? Yes. Yeah. So slow down, and you still have pole position. It's a yellow car, right? Like it's a safety car. It's, it's the yellow flags are out. It's you know no one really is going to go fast. Miss. Just chill, dude. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to miss. I mean, if you have played an F1 game or just any racing simulation game, you know there are lights flashing everywhere on the track that are yellow. Your steering wheel will flash yellow. Like, the guy will go, safety car, safety car is out. It, it's not hard to miss. He intentionally did that, and I think that spoke to immaturity uh, because I Lewis Hamilton would have slowed down knowing that he doesn't have to push. Exactly. And Lewis, I think, that's part of the – when you see their driving style, when they see you see their mentality, mm-hmm. they their mindset, they – Max will keep going and just act as if I'm here. I have a raw talent that's amazing, so I'm just going to do what I want. Whereas Lewis says, I'm here. I I have a raw talent that's amazing, but I'm going to pick my battles and mm-hmm. keep my powder dry, and I know what it takes to win over the the length of a season. Granted, again, greatest car. He doesn't have to. He's not being pushed to his utter limit, but that's okay. Yeah. Um. You know, as far as I'm concerned. But, yeah, Max – Max showed that immaturity that we haven't seen in over a year Mm -hmm. where he started with there with the speeding and then he took some chances in that first stint that he really didn't need to take. Yeah. Let's talk about the speeding real quick. I just wanted to say that uh, the three place grid drop, I am all for. I think that's the correct call, especially when safety is on the line, like something like that. Not just the safety of the drivers, but the safety of it's needless, right? That's the safety of people coming out, and it's needless to put your your you in danger, them in danger from a sporting competition. It's not, you know, it's it's useless, unnecessary. Uh, So I think I said it's the right call. It wasn't a fun call, but it was a right call. Yeah. Um, but uh, he he. Ha- I think had Max stayed on, and this speaks to maturity. I think had Max stayed on pole position, because I don't think you expected you didn't expect them to do anything about it. You expected Max to start his pole. Yes. Uh, I think that because of that straight line speed that Ferrari had over Red Bull, I think the best strategy for Max, if he sat on pole anyway, was just get out of the way. Probably, but he wouldn't have. Right. And that's what I was... And I was. that's your maturity. Right. And I don't think... I didn't expect a penalty because um, I... Yeah, he is one of those front runners, those, those big personalities, and I didn't think this... I thought the stewards would cower to the public beating mm. that would have come from uh, the Orange uh, Army in the stands. Um, but they did it. And mm. hats off to him. That was the right call. Um but, yeah, no, if he had started on pole, he would have just parked it mm-hmm. in the middle and been like, try to pass me. I dare you. Yeah. Um, and I think that that was part when he got the penalty, 
and he started in fourth, I think that that is that partly made him mad. And Max doesn't know what to do with anger. Mm-hmm. So instead of you know being measured and saying, okay, I still got this, he decided to take it out behind the wheel and start throwing in and uh, acting as if it's everybody else's fault that he's running into them. Hitting hitting Lewis on turn one and then turn four, which was where it really – or not turn four, lap four, turn 12, which is really where it went south, was uh, him and Valtteri. Valtteri uh, nosed into him, which I think – again, that was Valtteri's fault, but I – you know, is is Valtteri's the front of Valtteri's nose hit his rear wheel, and I don't think Verstappen would have had any way of knowing how exactly close it was because the rear view mirrors are terrible right. on F one cars. But uh, that's really what uh, what sent him downhill because this is where I think terrible luck comes into play too because it punctures the tire, but that's okay. You have that little chicane coming out of that hairpin. You have the turn sixteen turn on. T- uh, Peralta Dada, Peralta Dada, uh, whatever it is. <laughs> and I can't look. I don't speak Spanish. That's okay. But um, uh, you have a little bit of time to discover a puncture before the pit lane. But they didn't discover it until he was on the main straight and he had to go literally an entire lap without a, without a wheel because yeah. that rubber came entirely off. So he was basically on the rims and he just you know, had to drive an entire lap like that. And I think that's that is. Terrible luck. Unfortunate. But I think that if he drove more conservatively to open the race and when he was specifically battling Valtteri, I think you would find that, one, he wouldn't be in that situation. But two, I suspect he might have had a chance. He might have had the pace and talent to win this race. And Christian Horner agrees. Uh, He does. Um, In fact, he says, let me look it up here. Um, That Max, uh, he believes he would have won Mexico if it weren't for the flat tire. Uh, the pace was there, and Ferrari, Ferrari wasn't challenging uh, with their mistakes uh, strategy-wise. So, um, you know, and Christian Horner is one of the provocateurs of the paddock. I don't think this is a provocative statement. I no. think that that's more of a statement of fact, like he could have done it. Yeah. But, um, I, you know, it's unfortunate luck for Max, and it's also a bit of immaturity. He was also passing really, really rough mm-hmm. through the back markers when he was, uh, you know, kind of trying to scythe his way through the field again and taking, you know, dives and stuff that were really reckless. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, late breaking that was dirty, um, you know, cl- you know, breaking twice under or moving twice under breaking again. You saw it once or twice uh, in the later laps. It's like, really, Max? Really? Yeah. Uh, the good news for Red Bull is that Alexander Albon, Pay the man. <laughs> <laughs> I really, really. Lewis Hamilton actually had a quote uh, after the race that he hopes that um, Alex Albon isn't uh, spit out, spit out yeah. of the Ferrari or uh, of the Red Bull program. Um, and I agree with him completely. I think he earned every penny uh, by showing up fifth, which is exactly where that car should have been. Mm-hmm. I think you could make the. I think you're. You might be able to make the argument next year. That the title contender for best wingman, uh, if Albon continues to progress, Valtteri might have that crown lifted from his head. I'd agree with that. Uh, Albon, He's a perfect second fiddle. Albon is quickly, to me, becoming driver of the season candidate with just because he's he's so remarkably consistent. I agree. Consistent. He's he doesn't do do the flare stuff. He doesn't do anything bad. He's just there. He's had one one or two crashes. Mm-hmm. And you know what? It's a brand new car. You stuck him in the middle of the season. Like, that's to be expected. 
Um, I think he's done a great job. I think he's good on interviews. He's not like that flamboyant personality that Red Bull typically goes for. Um, but I think it's great. I think that Albon should be the sec- one of the drivers of the season. So let's talk about the other huge controversy, and it's the one we led off with. It's the one we teased. Ferrari. Oy. They had all the potential in the world on Friday. On Saturday, they couldn't pull through. Leclerc and Vettel were one-two to open the race. Uh, they ta- after you know Max Verstappen got tossed down to fourth. Charles after you know, Charles and Seb both got cleanly through that first um, that first uh, stint. St- Corner complex. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, they touched each other a little bit on the second chicane, but it wasn't all that nothing bad. Nothing to write nothing, home yeah, about. Yeah, nothing to write home about. Charles quickly opened up a one-and-a-half-second gap uh, uh, on Vettel. <laughs> it was a pretty impressive beating. Yeah, and uh, he had a solid race. I would say uh, a race-victory-worthy race up until lap 43, and that is when you sat there and you said, Ferrari, you done ferrari it. He needs new tires. He goes to pit on lap 43. They give him a 6.2-second pit stop. Yikers. That's that's pretty brutal. That's triple the time mm-hmm. of any, you know, of uh, the Red Bull uh, pit stop, just to give you a frame of reference. Um, that's, that's a lot. That's an IndyCar pit stop, and IndyCar has strict limits on how many guys can be over the wall. They yeah, have, to, they have to change two wheels apiece. <laughs> exactly. No, I, I think that was that was pretty rough to see. And then... Uh, Ferrari go on to leave uh, Vettel out way too long, mm-hmm. like three or four laps longer than he should have. He did. He was protesting and saying, "Hey, I can maybe let let this you know go." But Ferrari again kind of goes back to last week with what we were talking about with Leclerc. They need to say, "No, Seb, get in here. Yeah, change those tires now." Ferrari, I think they're capitulating to the drivers a little too much, right? Seriously, if you're Mercedes and Lewis Hamilton says something, uh. If it's not a big deal, you let Lewis do it. If it if if it's a big deal, Mercedes will go. Listen here, this is how the strategy is. Yeah. Don't stray from the strategy. I think that Lewis, it's James. Do it. Yes, yeah. e- exactly. They don't have that at Ferrari. If Charles Leclerc wants to say, you know what, no, we're going to stay out for another three laps like he does at Suzuka, they don't have the the cones to stand up to him and go, hey. Charles, it's X, Y, Z. Get in here now. And it speaks to a lot of the trust that's kind of broken between the drivers and the team and the drivers themselves. Um, With Lewis, they say, Lewis, box. And he goes, all right, guys, let's do it. Because he knows that the team knows best. Exactly. And I don't don't think I see that out of— At Ferrari, at all. At all. And um, Alan Prost actually had an interesting quote over the weekend where he was talking about how— Ferrari may hand the 2020 championship to Mercedes if they don't get their drivers in line and they don't don't get their house in order. Right. Funny coming from Alain Prost, the Prost, yeah. uh, unofficial executive of Renault, where everything in the world has gone wrong. Um, but yeah, there, there you have it. Uh, so I think uh, Ferrari might have blown both of their opportunities to win the race. I, I, I honestly think they did because Ferrari Le- just doing Ferrari yeah. things. Leclerc not only was that six point two second stop. Uh, we'll call. We'll say you could have got a pit stop done in what two seconds, right? Mm. Let's say a two seconds. That's a good stop, but it's a stop that most teams are capable of. Uh, let's say two point two, right? So that saves you four seconds, okay? And then you locked up uh, in going into turn four. I think it was on uh, one of the laps following that uh, Leclerc did, and I think the number was another one point six. 
And uh, if you don't make those two mistakes, uh, you're I believe he's within a second of of Lewis Hamilton at the end of the race. If you, if you just go by this simple math of subtracting that time from the from the finish time, so I think you know Leclerc could have fought for, for could have at least been in Lewis's mirror. Obviously, Seb, uh, you know, got stayed out too long. Again, though, with diminishing, there's such diminishing returns. Like I, I saw that coming. I think everybody saw that coming, especially because Hamilton's, you know, on lap thirty of these tires, you you should know right by now that there's not an advantage in degradation that's going right. on right now. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I think I think we're gonna do something special here. Would Would you like to do the honors? Of moving our first team out of pro- probation, I would. I think I have to. Todd, this is going to break Todd's heart. I, you know, Todd, we're sorry, but here's the here's the deal. We're not that sorry. Here, well, yeah, that's true. But the, here's the deal: is we said get through two weeks without a controversy, and they haven't for God knows how long. So, as Tim walks up to the wall, he genuflects on the wall of fame. Bowing before the greatness that is Charlie Whiting, Ayrton Senna, Nikki Lauda, the 4GT program. He takes the pin out of the Scuderia Ferrari logo. The prancing horses get placed centered, but perhaps below the one lady from Miami and also below uh, Herman Tilke's track in the Sochi Autodrome. Perfectly centered, might I add. Two layers below the Williams. And he takes a bow. And uh, it, it's a proud bow, but it's also a shameful bow as he says to himself in, in a quiet moment of reflection, how did you fall so low? It's just brutal. Ferrari doing Ferrari things. They deserve to be at the bottom of that, honestly, tree that we now have as uh, the wall of shame. Mm-hmm. Um, man, that's a bummer. It, it is a bummer. I, I think, mean, because we put them on probation last week. Right. And we said two weeks in a row. Or, or we put them on probation two weeks ago, oh, but, was it? but it was Suzuka. Right, and then we said if you have two races with that incident, and this had so many incidents. Right. Holy if it mother was, of if God. If it was just an incident, whatever. It, they'd still be on probation, but this was another blow-up. Yeah, this and, is this is the strategy's wrong, the pit crew went wrong, the drivers went wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just that that is a, that is a system-wide failure. Um, but then you had Mercedes, which... You know they they go in knowing that they're going to be down on power because it's at altitude and they're they have heating issues. Valtteri bends it in Q three, and Which, the team has to almost rebuild the car. I'll say, yeah, let's prop because that was a let's give some props. That was a hard crash. That car's freaking wrecked at that point, destroyed. Val, Val they rebuild it no problem and Overnight. incur no penalties doing so. Exactly, that's so they, insane. So the FIA is probably watching them like hawks to make sure they don't trade out any pieces they shouldn't. They don't, mm-hmm. and it runs great the next day. And so, he gets on the podium. Yeah. Uh, so great job by Mercedes. We said earlier Ferrari lost it. Max Verstappen probably lost it. But that's part of being a champion is you're there to pick up the games when the other team doesn't want to. Exactly. And that's that's why they're so good. So let's move on. Uh, we talked about McLaren. Let's talk about Renault. Oh, man. Uh, so yeah, they, For the rest of these, it was a remarkably either pedestrian or sad weekend. Yeah. None, there aren't many good stories in the midfield and the back markers. Nothing really good happened. Um, you had a chaotic weekend. Uh, you know, uh, for Renault, I think to me, the the sad thing is that Hulk got torpedoed. Hulk got torpedoed, but he still took home tenth, though. 
on lap 70. Right, he had an entire lap to go. <laughs> I mean, did Kvyat just go, ah, that, that's racing? <laughs> no, it's not. You hit him. And that's why he got handed a penalty. Rightly so. <laughs> but, uh, you know, Hulkenberg gets a 10th. Uh, Ricardo, uh, yeah, Ricardo uh, takes home a decent 8th, uh, but uh, not before a gigantic lockup on 61. So I think it's a... Mi- it's a positive result because I think an eighth and a tenth is good for for Renault. I think I think you're that's about where that car belongs, but uh, I think it comes with asterisks of, yeah, you were more powerful than some of the other teams this weekend. One and two, you didn't get there cleanly, did you? No, it was ugly. Yeah, it was very, very, very ugly. It was and an ugly eight and ten. So it was a very ugly eight and ten, and uh, there's more drama that we will talk about in the scuttlebutt sector. Um, that is going to befall our. I think we really wanted to like Renault. Mm-hmm. Um, they have one of the best looking cars of this decade. Oh my god, it's so good looking! It really is a beautiful car, and they have Prost uh, in there advising them, who we both have an undying respect for. Wall of Wall of Fame, and yikes! Yeah, big big old yikes. Uh, let's move on. Alpha had a rough weekend, even by Ooh. Alpha standards. Uh, Kimmy damages his floor on the opening lap. He, it's ultimately, it affects his cooling, which we talked about at elevation is so important. It, uh, everybody, every yeah. single outfit, every single garage brought more cooling, uh, vents for their car, mm-hmm. for the bodywork on the car. They also brought the highest downforce setups they could. Yeah. So everybody had the gigantic rear wings out. Everybody had the gigantic front wings out. Um, you know, the biggest side pods they could possibly mm-hmm. do, um, so you needed every bit of everything. Yep. So if you damage your floor, uh, you know, and if you lose cooling, that's the most important thing. So he eventually retired because it's yep. it's just it's not worth it to risk. Right. It's all about cooling, and you can't just replace your floor like that. Yep. Uh, Giovinazzi lost twenty another pit stop issue twenty seconds. I tell you what, I was watching this race, and I just constantly oh this what was is- this wasn't in one of the ten laps you missed. No. <laughs> I, maybe that's why I rate it higher than you because I missed the 10 boring laps. <laughs> oh, my God. It was brutal. So You know what, though? Mario Kart Tour on my phone was pretty entertaining while, uh, you know, the Taco Bell had to come out. But uh, anyway. God help me. <laughs> um, but anyway, anyway, so. He loses 20 seconds on a pit stop. Uh, and after a wheel, again, not attached when they drop the car. What is happening in the pits at Mexico? I, I actually think it's the altitude. Really, these guys though the pit crew are are athletes. Mm-hmm. They they have to haul these big heavy things around, and they're doing it as fast as humanly possible. And I think that at altitude, it's harder to think. You don't have you have less oxygen to think. That's and a when, great point. And I think that that has because it was at almost every garage. Every had an garage issue. had one. Yeah. Um, I think Red Bull had a little one with Albon. I think it was something like a four second pit stop, which for them was to like. What are you doing? Like it's red. You're Red Bull. You guys are phenomenal. Red Bull is my favorite pit crew um, because I think that they are so consistent, so flawless at all times. Ferrari, constant issues, and they almost never have anything. Mercedes had issues. Uh, Alpha, they the he peeled up the paint on the pit box. Yeah. with the went with the left side tire, rear tire. So it's like he missed the box. the The team wasn't there didn't have the guns going right it's think, just wrong i think part of the thing might have been too was there was much ado about they come to mexico they eat some mexican food and a lot of them get bugs a lot of them have have bugs i 
I don't know for sure it was a Mexican. I do. It was, it I was do remember local hearing, food. Do you remember but, hearing that the the Sky commentator, specifically Jensen Button, talking about how Alpha was having issues with uh, a bug going around the team? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they may have been sick too. They, they said it was a ton of teams too. So I wouldn't be surprised if you know you go you go out and get a you know some food from a street cart out in Mexico City, and uh, the taco might not your European you know. Antibodies might not be adjusted to the the Mexican taco meat or whatever. Yeah. Um, and hey, boys, don't uh, don't go hog wild in Austin because you know they they cook there too and it's yeah. hardcore. So yeah. it's uh, ooh, don't ooh. do that. But uh, anyway, I think I think you're right. I think it could be altitude. I think it might be some of them were battling illness, and it's just that's a, that's a recipe for disaster for somebody who has to pr- uh, produce such a precise job. Yeah. So let's move on. Uh, we got a few teams that we can just. We do, we do have a few. We can just blast uh, hometown through. boy Sergio Perez. Yes. Brought home P7. Brought home P7. Racing point. Brilliant drive from Sergio Perez. I, I, it, he was not the fourth best car in the grid. No way. No shape. No how. Nope. He brought home P7 anyway. And good for him. Uh, and I, you know, uh, Stroll did Stroll things um, as he as he is wont to do. He came home twelfth. It was a pretty anonymous race for him. Mm. He got lapped. Um, to be honest with you, I, I still don't think he deserves that seat. Uh, I would I would tend to agree. Toro Rosso. But happy birthday. It's his 21st. Yay. Oh, boy. He's spending the 21st in Mexico City. What a wild day. What a wild day. No, he's in Austin now. Oh, is he in Austin yeah. now? Well, that's, that's where we are this week. I would say that's still a wild that's still a wild day. It's a great town. Uh, yeah. Austin is a very cool town. Uh, Toro Rosso had a nice performance from Pierre Gasly. Uh, penalty for Kvyat, obviously. Um, Gasly took home ninth. That's that's a pretty good possession, especially uh, when you consider they said he was battling. He was a question mark to even race. But unfortunately, their backup driver uh, was on the other side of the globe, so he had to. So to take home P9 anyway, not too bad. Uh, Kvyat had to start on – he made it to Q3. That shot him in the foot because now he had to start on softs. Ruined the race. Ruined the race. Led spots early. Then he fought Hulkenberg too hard. He sent Hulk into the wall, and now he sends himself down to P11. Out, out of, of the, the points. points. Bummer. Oh. And, and uh, Williams did Williams things. Williams did Williams things. Uh, I know Haas did Haas things as well. Gunter Steiner had an interesting quote where he said uh, – well, is something along the lines of we've lowered our expectations, so it's not really that big of a disappointment. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> Gene must be pissed. He's uh, got to be. You got to be, but it's not. I don't. I don't want him to. I don't want Gene to be like, all right, Gunter, something's got to change. You're out, right? Not to Gunter, no. Yeah, Gunter's too important and he's too talented, and I think that's just a fact that he's 100%. He's, he's talented. Uh, but but they're sticking with the same lineup. Yeah, that's not, an that's an issue. I'm not thrilled. Uh, so we're going to kick it into some awards, uh, some scuttlebutt sector, and then we'll kick it into the legitimate news lane here on the Formation Lap with 101 ESPN. The Formation Lap. Welcome back to the Formation Lap. We have awards to give out. We have our old man rant. We actually have a pretty deep scuttlebutt sector this week. So it, There's a lot, and uh, your old man rant is shades of what's to come. Okay. An argument that you and I are going to have, well, not an argument, a, a debate that you and I are going to have uh, that comes out of an article that uh, our friend Todd wrote over at the Park for May uh-huh. uh, podcast. Um, but this week... We're going to launch right into the old man rant. All right, let's launch in. Let's do it. 
This is going to be an easier one, but again, higher stakes because you have to have it as a more layered, cohesive argument. Mm -hmm. Um, This is going to say that uh, Formula One can only survive if there are more privateer teams than manufacturer teams. And here's why that is, all right, is because a manufacturer team by nature requires the might of a manufacturer. We've told... We, we talked earlier and in earlier episodes about how bean counters rule the world, right? It's becoming more and more demanding for companies run by, you know, computers and accountants to f- justify the cost of a Formula One team. It's why I, I am generally in favor of lower budgets uh, because now you can get more manufacturers then, right? But that's not going to happen. The cost is going to skyrocket even with a cost cap. You know, they'll still increase. And it's just – it's so demanding to get manufacturers in that the privateers are the only way. You need a company whose entire sole purpose is to make money racing, right? And I think that that's a good thing as well because as, you know, manufacturers pull out, which they will eventually, we have a story where Renault is under – investigation onto whether or not they want to continue their Formula One future. As they will, you need companies to step in. You can't have a a racing series that is three manufacturers with two teams apiece. Uh, You know, if next year we have 16 cars, I'm going to be angry at the Austrian GP, right? Uh, You only have 16? Really? Really? Um... So you need privateer teams. And, and then here's the thing. Is pri- privateer doesn't always mean successful, but you need a field. You can't have a field with just two, Mar- two Mercedes, two Ferraris, two McLarens. I, I don't even, Actually, you know, I consider McLaren a privateer. So two Ferrari, two Mercedes, and what, two Renault? Because mm-hmm. Red Bull's a privateer. And that's the other thing, too, is, is privateer racing incentivizes teams to – do well because it's their money on the line, right? It's not, you know, Mercedes, I don't want to say they don't care, but it's not a big of a deal if they make $90 million this year as opposed to $95 million, right? When that's the only money you're making, that $5 million means a lot more to Red Bull. That $5 million means a lot more to uh, McLaren, Williams. to Williams, right? And it's not like it, it's... I don't want to say it's not like it's hard, but it's been proven before that you can't succeed being a privateer team, and privateers just come with a wide spectrum of talent. You have your Williams, who went from dominant to last. You have Red Bull, who are still in the upper echelon, but had one of the great all-time runs in Formula One history. I think privateer teams are really the lifeblood behind Formula One. Yes, the the manufacturer teams develop some tech, but the privateer teams are really what it's all about. And I think that it's the spirit of motorsports, right? Is I I want there's a lot to do with the funding, and I think that's the spirit of, of motorsports. Is it, it means more when it's your butt on the line? We talk with Jordan Anderson; he owns his own team in the NASCAR Truck Series, and that was so much fun to watch him like run through numbers and be like, I, I have to place at this place in the race, and it. It incentivizes you. It gives you drive, and that's the pure beating heart of motorsports is privateer teams, not just in Formula 1, but everywhere. Love it. I agree. I'll give you an A. Oh, I think that's my first A. <laughs> it is your first A. Um, 
In school, too. That's my first day. <laughs> oh, God. I'm, I'm just kidding. Well, that makes a lot of sense now. Yeah. Uh, um, little did you know, I'm really stupid. <laughs> so, uh, leads us nicely into uh, our awards for the week. Would you like to do award one or award two first? Let's do, well, we already know who award two is. Let's do award one. All right. Uh, would you like to do the grand statement? Because uh, my voice is, I'm developing a cough, and I'm afraid that if I do it, I might just hack up a lung right here onto <laughs> the floor here at the studio right. ESPN. <clears throat> this is my first time doing this one, I think, right? I think. Is it? Who yeah. Knows? Just make it as grand as possible. Gotcha. That music can only mean that it is time for the People's Champion! Well done. Well done. Oh, we have a... look at that spread on the screen. Oh, yeah, that waveform. <laughs> I know we geek out about the waveforms, but like now that's that you're actually learning one. what it looks like, mm, that's a solid one. That's Thank a you. beauty. Thank you. Um, the People's Champion. It's exactly what it says on the 10 for those of you listening for the first time. Who is the champion of the people this week? I think we have a couple really good contenders. We have a third wild card I've put in there. We do, and, and uh, we also have a fourth that I'm going to include. All right. Well, I will start with the first one, our first nominee, Sergio Perez. The hometown kid had the crowd behind him, behind him took home one of the best performances of his career, took home the best performance in Mexico, electrified the crowd, and that Mexican GP crowd was intense they were they were phenomenal our next contestant alexander albon an incredibly smooth drive from a kid who is quickly becoming a solid performer and one of our favorites one of our favorites one of our driver of the year candidates too so uh i think the third one i'm throwing on is lady chaos lady chaos was in full force displaying her her natural beauty this week and uh boy oh boy did we love watching it it was a it was a great show. The fourth nominee, who is not on this list, but I think you will agree, Lando Norris. Ooh, Lando Norris is a good one for his superhero move of this race is about what could have been. And That's he, right. he went out, he went he went balls to the wall, baby. And he did it for the people. He did it for the people. So let's uh take turns eliminating I think I, I think I know who I want to eliminate first. Go ahead. Uh I will eliminate Lady Chaos first. Really? Actually, I didn't see you see that coming. Mm-hmm. Okay, because I think I think that while it was fun, Lady Ch- this wasn't Lady Chaos's best showing. True, and I there was no Baku. Right, and I think that uh, I think that additionally, there were other people here who got who got the people going more. Right, true. This That's isn't true. this isn't about yelling negatively, which Lady Chaos has us doing at Ferrari. This is about yelling positively. Mm. It's the people's. Champion. It's not. It's not Germany with right. the rain. Right. Um, I will. I will eliminate Alexander Albon. That was my second elimination. That was my second choice at elimination. It was solid, but it was by no means the people's champion. So that leaves us with Sergio Perez and Lando Norris. So I. I really. I wish we could give out co awards, but we can't. This <laughs> it's, it's against nope, the rules. Someone must win. Someone must lose. Right. Um, I am going to stick to Sergio Perez. You can okay. you can hear the crowd roar every time he's around. He's home. Everybody knows that he's not in a very good car, and he outperforms that car to put a respectable show on. The people of Mexico didn't have to see their hometown boy get lapped. Think about that in one of the worst cars on the grid. I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to eliminate Lando Norris. 
Lando- and I will say that Sergio Perez, uh, for for as for the the just the sheer showing that mm-hmm. Mexico uh, turned out with, and the fact that he's on billboards down there, he's yeah. he's a he's a national hero. So. People's champ. Love it. People's champ. I think the easiest way for me to put it is Lando Norris had a moment. Yes. Sergio Perez had a weekend. Nice. I like that argument. That's great. Sergio Perez, our people's champion. Well done, sir. Well done. I think that's Sergio's first people's champion. uh, His first nomination and and first victory. First victory, Yeah. yeah. If we're going by Oscar standards. And that next, that music can only mean it's the wreck of the week. Oh, boy. Larry David, you have gifted us a a beautiful song that nobody realized was perfect for the use of comedy. And what better comedy than watching Formula One drivers fart around and fail on a week-by-week basis? So let's get talking. We have two very, very strong nominees. We do. And... I will start by saying Ferrari's pit crew and strategists, and here's what I'm putting up, is that wall of shame, we've just moved them over earlier in the episode. Why don't we make it official post-episode so we we have a chance at giving them one last heave-ho? Love it. Okay, so they're not officially on the wall of shame at this moment, despite being physically there. Mm. Um, the, the, the move is official post-episode. Yeah. So Ferrari, Ferrari's uh, pit crew and strategists, uh, they always seem to throw away a chance. Every time they have a chance, it's out the window, right? Um, it, this week was no different. It, it was an ugly showing, and everybody knew it was going to be an ugly showing, and they didn't do anything about it. No. And it just it came like the freight train. You, you saw it, and it just walloped you anyway. Um, yeah, I mean— there, there's no other debate. It's Ferrari. I wanted to say I, – I, I think Max Verstappen could put up an argument here because uh, because here's the thing is you have those two incidents. But one, everybody knew Ferrari was coming, okay? True. Two, not, Max Verstappen not only had a miserable weekend. Max Verstappen opened himself up to criticism because the, the, the tone of this season has been, well, he's matured. He's been maturing. It's been like and that. He, yeah, he's crossed seasons with that. Right. And he's kind of undid it this weekend. He for undid. Sure. He had undid this because he doesn't year's know what work. to do with his rage. Right. The rage overtakes him. He sees red, and it you know it just become you know consequences be damned. He's just going to do what he wants to do, and I think. But I don't think that that's a systemic a failure. That could be a one off. He got angry, and that's it. Well, you'd say that, but he also didn't slow down under yellow. That's immaturity again. That's not rage. That's just immaturity. It, but it could it, it spanned like a twenty four hour period. Okay. Whereas Ferrari, we knew it the whole weekend. So, would you be willing to say that Max Verstappen has a very strong for Max next Verstappen? Week, actually, if if that doesn't improve, we're putting him on probation. Oh, I a like short it. leash. It's we a sh- we Max gets a short leash. Um, because just of how crashy, crashy he was. Mm-hmm. Um, We're quickly approaching everybody is in one category or another, and I love it. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're very binary that way. Yeah. Uh, it's either one thing or the other, and that's it. Um, <laughs> I I will cede. I think Max Verstappen makes a strong argument on any week other than this week, but Ferrari make the strongest of all arguments, and that is why they are our wreck of the week, and they're on our wall of shame. They are enshrined. I'm turning away from the wall of shame do so we, that now I don't have to face it. 
Yeah, I can't do that because then I look at William Story who's tearing through my soul. <sighs> I think we're going to have an off-season episode where we find somebody to join William's story. <laughs> we've got a few candidates that we've we, talked about. We have a few. What's up, Jack Villeneuve? Um, so <laughs> it, it, that, it's just going to be the creep corner, not the rich energy <laughs> The creep corner. corner. I yeah. like it. Um, so this actually brings us to, and we've got actually a few more uh, bits to add to the scuttlebutt sector. Mm-hmm. Um but let's head into the scuttlebutt let's sector. Let's head into the scuttlebutt sector. You want to start with your story or my story? Uh, let's start with yours. Uh, cause, okay, because I feel like this is a pretty meaty discussion, and we're going to try and keep it as... Succinct as we can. Succinct and let our rage not get into it as much as possible, because I think we both share opinions on this. We do have those. But we're, we're going to keep... We're going to put our reporter hats on for the fake news. Uh, so this isn't exactly fake news. So I am a fan of roller coasters. And um, I heard that there is going to be a new fastest, tallest roller coaster. No asterisk, just the fastest, tallest, and uh, longest on Earth. And it's getting built in in uh, Six Flags, uh, what is it, Kedia, outside of Riyadh, Saudi Arabia. So, of course, I'm going to go look at you know, look at the virtual ride or look at what that brand new park is. They're building it from scratch, and it's going to be like Disney World size. It's going to be insane. And imagine my surprise when I see a racetrack right next to the, this onboard ride footage. And not only that, it has F1 logos on it. The cars are painted pretty much to the team-specific colors. And then I go look at, at more and more of the outlines for this park. The renderings. Right. There are F1 track. The F1 track is planned to be being built plan to be built right next to this Saudi Arabian resort theme park. And I'm not going to lie, all right, if it weren't for the fact it's in Saudi Arabia, the track looks sweet. It does look very good. It's supposed to have an area that passes under what looks like a lazy river. Uh, You got roller coasters rolling alongside it. Uh, The entrance to the park goes over the track. Uh, so when you walk in, you walk over the Formula One track. It looks sweet. But this is the interesting part is that the park isn't going to be open until like 2021, 20, somewhere around there. And that means that this track won't probably see it until the mid-2020s, right? But the million-dollar question is, will Formula One capitulate to the Saudi Arabian government? Because there, there are a couple things. Is that, yes, Formula One has – questionable races and questionable locations, right? That's right. Right. Politically questionable. Um, none of them have quite stooped to the point of, of hosting a race in Saudi Arabia. That not, not Russia does not have the stigma as badly as Saudi Arabia does. True. Two, Liberty Media does not have a history of putting races in locations that are controversial only continuing the races. Right. Um, F1 as a whole, as a sport, absolutely, absolutely has a does. reputation for that. But that was that was a lot of Bernie. Yeah, we'll put a race in Bahrain. Yeah, we'll put a race in Russia, in China. But Liberty, Liberty's additions are Baku, okay, um, soon to come uh, Miami, mm. and uh, soon to come Vietnam. That's that's not that's not really all that controversial, is it? I mean, Vietnam's an odd choice, but it's not a nation that has a stigma of 
you know, very questionable international policies. Right. And three, I think it will be interesting to see. Again, this is all scuttlebutt. This is all based on the fact that that they there are, are some renderings. There right. have been no announcements there, and there is construction but, happening at that location, but it's still too early to see. According to Google Earth, I looked up uh, to see what that's going to look like. But the park is being built right now. Um, the track, which will be a part of that whole complex, uh, you can't make out. Right. Anyway, um, three. It will be interesting because Formula One has a lot of women that work in Formula One with their teams. Claire Williams uh, is a notable example. She owns the team. As we all know, Saudi Arabia does not exactly have the best record with women's rights in that they can't drive, uh, or if they can, I think it's super recent. They can't drive. They can't go out without uh, a male uh, to follow them around or be with them. Yeah, someone to accompany them. Um, I believe they have to wear uh, burqas or... um, What's the burqa, but you can see the face? I, I don't know the terminology. The hijab. Yeah, the hijab. Um, you have to wear one of those, two when you're mm-hmm. out in public. Um, how is that law going to partic- How is that law going to Effect. mesh with F1 teams? Because I can, I can really— And with really the culture likely... that Liberty is trying to cultivate mm-hmm. that is more uh, inclusive for everyone, that encourages uh, women engineers to come, women mm-hmm. drivers to come— um, imagine I, I, imagine hard. having that message, but also having Claire Williams not able to drive her own personal golf cart around the track. It, yeah, around the paddock um, area. It. I think that this is just a controversial uh, Pandora's box waiting to happen, and I think this might be the wrong move. I think I think it will be too. So the million dollar question is: Does Liberty it's, know any better? Okay. The the other thing is. It's not the million-dollar question. It's the several hundred-million-dollar question because that's what that means to the uh, the sport. They're they're looking for that cash flow injection just like Bernie did. It, it's it's right. It's a big one. Is the money tempting? Because you know uh, the upper crust of Saudi Arabia, the people who would really afford a Formula One race, are really wealthy. Uh, there are a lot of very high-end Saudi Arabians. Uh, I believe the wealth gap is is quite big, right? Massive. Yeah. Um, there are a lot of wealthy Saudi Arabians who can afford that, right? right. Um, so is that tempting enough to open Pandora's box? And I don't think we've seen Liberty tested in this way yet, and it'll be interesting. We've seen Formula see One the tested, test. yeah, and but that was under Bernie. Have, well, it's it was under Bernie, but you also had, um, you know, back in 1985 when uh, they went to Kailami uh, in South Africa during apartheid. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they're no stranger to it. They will hold it if the money is there. Mm-hmm. And hopefully, maybe they'll say, no, we have a moral compass. And who knows? Yeah. Uh, maybe the money won't be enough and It'll- they would rather go to the American market. Now, here's the other thing is that there might be, you know, some pretty calloused math going on um, as well. If they think, well, if we go to Saudi Arabia with all these issues, but it's a lot of money. Will we will we risk bolstering Miami uh, in their you know local council Are trying we, to protest this, and will we lose Austin? Will Austin? we get protests at Spa? Will we get protests at Miami? Will right. we get protests elsewhere where we're trying to go? Which is like new, you've heard uh, rumblings of a New York City circuit and a London City circuit. Mm-hmm. Will we lose all that potential if we go do this? 
Yeah, you're just you're giving your naysayers uh, fodder. And the other final thing I want to point out is journalists do have a lot of say in the narrative of F1, right? That's mm-hmm. that's that's specifically what journal the byproduct of journalism is unless you make a stated effort to remain impartial and you state your biases coming in it, in some way shape or form you are flowing the narrative whether it's pro something against something or even just giving the story as it happened you're still shaping the narrative of this is what happened right, right. um journalists it, with the killing of uh, Jamal Khashoggi in in Saudi Arabia i cannot imagine the f1 journos will be happy and uh, like no. and as we just said they will control the narrative the narrative whether or not yeah, will buxton doesn't have to write an article will buxton's probably a bad example but because he works for formula 1 right. but he doesn't have to write an article all he has to do is just tweet about like this is a bad idea. Yeah, this Joe Sayward. All he has to do is tweet. This is a bad idea. He doesn't have to write a whole article about it. It's just the Twitter and just being able to express your thoughts like that will control that narrative. And I think that F one, not only from an international standpoint, from a fan standpoint, right. is bad. But I think that I think the the journalists will be stoking that fire as well. Hundred percent. And if, I, with for. Totally understandable reasons. And they probably know it. That's why they haven't Mm -hmm. announced it, but these renderings are happening. So that's probably why it's getting rolled out this way. So all that to say, that is all scuttlebutt. That is is all based on renderings they want. Riyadh wants an entertainment district. They're building it. But Riyadh also wanted the world's largest tower, and it's been, you know, not being built for the last three, four years. So we don't even know if the whole park's going to be completed. The theme park, the track, we don't know if any of that is is going to be completed. But with the way this is being covered now, odds are not good. Um, But the other scuttlebutt um, that I wanted to touch on, uh, I read an article written by Todd, uh, Negative Camper, over at uh, the Park for May. Shout out to Todd. Hashtag friend of the show. Uh, Hopefully we'll have you on soon. Um, it hasn't, and he's talking about Renault. Uh, the ultimate ouster of C, uh, the CEO, Carlos uh, Gosen, there is now a, a deep dive. This was almost inevitable um, that Renault was going to have an Infinity, their parent company with uh, Nissan and everything. They're going to de- take a deep dive into everything that Gosen uh, supported mm-hmm. and see if they want to use it going forward. The new CEO, Uh, Delbos uh, discussed the F1 uh, program's future as being part of this overall review. He says specifically, I'm not specifically targeting those two activities, but clearly the review of the, quote, drive the future plan means we need to put it on the table. It's a normal process. It's not a minor review. We're launching a deep uh, dive review of the drive the future plan in order to take into account uh, the new context of the market, the change in usage, mobility, et cetera, and the current situation of the group. Everything can be on the table at some point. Um, so they are really sticking to their guns about this is a deep review. Mm-hmm. We, everything is on the table. Anything can go. And the other thing is he kept using the drive the future plans, the term right. drive the future plans. Those were put forward by Carlos Gosen. Exactly. Um, those were his – that was his long-term plan to improve – to that included Formula One. It included sports. It included many other aspects of the company. So uh, that's why – Old guy said, you know, old CEO says, here's the plan. Bam, bam. Formula One teams gets made. Old CEO gets arrested. New CEO comes in and said, well, let's look at these plans. 
Yeah, and let's look at it, team, and I want to put my stamp on the company, so I might just get rid of this. Right, um, which, it, by the way, I should say also he's an interim CEO, uh, Delbos is, for now. Uh, we don't know if he'll be promoted or not, but it wouldn't be unheard of for him to be promoted. Right. Um, it's very much a, a I might put my stamp on this. And I think that this is where um, an interesting aspect comes in because I don't think F1 can afford to lose any more teams. The other scuttlebutt we've heard this week is in regards to Alpha. Alpha. And then uh, also there were more quotes. Todd goes on here. He says, uh, for Renault, Mercedes, and Honda. So you have... Um, you know, the, the representatives from, from Honda that are talking with the Red Bull Toro mm-hmm. Russell camp. Um, you have Mercedes with Total Wolf, and then you have Renault with this new uh, stuff, this new statement, and Ciro Beatable saying, until the process is done, I can't say anything. It has to be a process. This isn't very positive. Um, they aren't very no. uh, positive about their all in for F1 for their long term future. There's no positive spin on it at all. Exactly. And uh, Todd points out we have had a mass exodus before, and to see. Uh, Renault, Mercedes, and Honda would pretty much only leave Ferrari. Um, and Ferrari, Ferrari's future is closely linked with F1 because yeah. they don't do any other marketing. Racing is their marketing. Ferrari is their flagship that is so ingrained the in Ferrari and Italian DNA. The reason you know the DNA. brand Ferrari is because of their racing. That's exactly. it. That's it. That's the only reason. That's the only marketing they do. So, um, you know, it's... I don't want to be pessimistic, but with the rumblings of, uh, you know, a worldwide recession on the rise, on the, you know, on the uptick uh, internationally Mm -hmm. and probably on the horizon soon, this could be on the chopping block for a lot of different things. And that's not good because we jump over to uh, Joe Sayward, intrepid uh, journalist for uh, Formula One, and he talks about how Alpha is not happy. Alpha has not Alpha Romeo has not seen the uptick in sales that they wanted to, so they're thinking about pulling the plug too uh, with their title sponsorship. So um, the Sauber could be back holding the bag, yeah. and then we don't know what will happen with Fred Vasseur because Alpha's, you know that that's kind of a very close relationship, and he would be out. So it's like, oh boy, that's Honda, this Mercedes, mm-hmm. Renault, Alpha. There are a lot of rumblings that do not look good for the outlook of Formula One. And this just proves to me that they absolutely need, have to, must get the 2021 regulations right. And the further it goes on, the more and more I don't think they're going to do it. They aren't going to get the regulations right. And I think that it's more crucial now to get the regulations right than ever because, you know, Losing a couple teams is bad. Yeah. But when you have 24, 26 cars on the grid, you lose two or three teams. Okay. You can skate you can skate by. You lose two or three teams now. Not not even all the teams we mentioned. Let's say two teams leave, right? right. A 16 car grid is pitiful. It's Tw- not good. 20 is at the low end of what I would think almost every Formula 1 fan is okay with. I I I think that if you pull Formula 1 fans, it's already too low. And yeah. they want at least one more team on the grid. And uh, I, I don't think there's a single one that would want to go into the teens. Yep. Um, so that is some scuttlebutt. Yeah. That is, uh, you know, that is a space to watch. It, throw into that, too. This is, again, all fake unreported news. Or, well, or, or, scuttlebutt. Scuttlebutt. I don't want to say fake news. Yeah, it's scuttlebutt. It's hearsay. It's rumor. Rumors. This is the rumor mill. Right. We bring rumor mill stuff to the scuttlebutt sector to drive it around and see if it'll actually hold water. 
And to me, there are rumblings from multiple outlets that this isn't good. Yeah. Um, so I think that this might actually have some legs to it. Yeah. Uh, throw into that, the one I don't hear mentioned is uh, obviously because, you know, they're under the banner of Mercedes. Williams. Will Williams even survive financially in the future? I don't think Williams is going to survive this year. Yeah. I think they're about to be sold. Yeah. Um, so because, throw, you know, they just can't do it anymore. Throw that in on mass exodus. Renault pulls out and Williams just folds. Yep. Or, you know, maybe, maybe they aren't bought. Who knows? You know, they, they, maybe. Who, wants, who wants to, how many people are there that want to own a Formula One team? Especially in a, if there's a worldwide uh, recession, recession going on. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so that's interesting. Let's, uh, and depressing. Yeah. Uh, let's kick it over to the news we just talked about. Uh, the legitimate news is that Renault are investigating their own future in F1. That quote is totally legit. Drive the future is legit. Uh, we talked about if F1 can afford to lose any more teams. I think we both agree the answer is no. Yep. Um, the other Renault news, uh, which is bad, and I think this is interesting that the investigation hits at this time, um, is that Renault just got tossed out of the Japanese GP. This happened probably, what, 10, 14 hours after we released our last episode? Yeah. yeah. Perfect timing, <laughs> yep. right, with our title episode, or the title of the episode, what was, was it? Was, uh, we totally believe you, Renault. <laughs> <laughs> and then they get caught with a driver aid. Oh, goody. Yeah, this is an interesting thing, because I looked I looked into it, uh, and so let's, let's talk about the system. It, it's a system that automatically adjusts the bias of the brakes during laps, right? It's not illegal to adjust the bias of the brake steering lines. It's illegal to automatically do it. If you do it, the driver has to turn the knob himself, basically. So it's not against there, – there are two rule books in Formula One. There's the technical regulations and there's the sporting regulations, right? Mm-hmm. Technical regulations are you can't build a car that's 29 feet long, although with the shape the current it's cars are, it's, it's getting close. Anyway – you can't build a collar that's twenty nine feet, you know, feet long. The sporting regulations are you can't crash into a dude, right? Right. Um, interestingly enough, during the technical regulations, the sporting regulations don't uh, apply as much during free practices testing. They start to be applied heavily during qualification and during racing. Yes, the system is not against the technical regulations. It's legal by the terms of the technical regulations. You just can't do it in a race because it's against the sporting regulations. And this is where F1's classic penchant for being way too complicated Convoluted. for its <laughs> oh, good. I, I, you know, it's like it, you have to have a law degree to, to start yeah. deciphering this stuff. Yeah, and I think it. I think like I, I don't have a problem with the fact that like yeah, we built a program that just. Um, it lets us focus on other aspects of developing the car. In fact, in a winter testing scenario, I'm like, run whatever program you want on the car that's going to help you develop, right? Right. Um, but, yeah, like I said, they used it during the race, and that's that's where they, they crossed the line. And yeah. that is why Renault stuck to their guns for so long that this is not illegal. Because it wasn't against the technical, but it is against, against right. the sporting. But the, the, the and, thing was lodged against the sporting. And the thing, yeah, exactly. And the thing that's interesting is that these are probably some rules that are still in the books from the days when Williams had the active suspension. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, the, the, they're bitten by a rule 20 plus years, 30 plus years old at this point. Yeah. Um, I don't have an, I don't, I don't object to the fact that you can use things in practices and in, in testing that you can't use in the race, but 
it does open itself up for convolutedness. So, like, at the same time, it's like, can you just simplify the rule book, please? It, simplify it. And the thing that gets me is that when it's when it's a gray area, when it's not against the technical regulations, but it's a little bit against the sporting regulations, and people stick to their guns, it feels like there's an element of politics involved. Yeah. And that drives me insane. Uh, it's like, you know, well, we kind of like you a whole lot, so we're going to look you know, overlook this little thing mm-hmm. or, hey, we kind of want to come down on you kind of hard because uh, you're newer here. We want to bust your chops Total a bit. Wolf might have got away with this. Exactly. It, Adrian Mercedes, Newey might have Mer- got away with it. Mercedes and Red Bull both could have foreseeably gotten away with this. Um, and so, you know. Instead, though, Mer- uh, Renault gets a pretty harsh punishment and is even noted by the stewards that throwing their results out of the Japanese GP is, is unprecedented. Are, are, yeah, are unprecedented. But... Again, though, they said that they weighed that against the advantages that were gained during the race, um, yeah. which, okay, I see that. Here's an interesting tidbit. Romain Grosjean was questioned on it, and uh, you might remember that uh, Lotus, uh, this Renault team is a continuation of Lotus. Uh, Lotus got sold, um, and the same base, most of the same headquarters, most of the same people just kind of you know changed company hands, so to speak, right? right? Uh, it's the same headquarter building that was the old Lotus team. Romain Grosjean was on record saying that in 2015 uh, he may have used it. He totally did. Totally they probably did. put that on the car so he would stop crashing like five times in Monaco. <laughs> Good Lord Almighty. But the, They're like, no, Roman, you actually don't know how to drive here. We're going to put these aids on the car. We're going to put some, you know, we're going to put the steer- <laughs> we're going to put the training wheels back on the bike. Man, that was rough years. You had the truly trains and you had oh, Grosjean's. <laughs> God. Um, but we leave Renault in France mm-hmm. and we fly over to Miami Gardens. All right. Well, here's here's the heavy hitter. I'm standing up for this one because this isn't like I'm not. This, this actually has you riled up pretty. Good. This has me riled up, and I have a conspiracy theory. Oh, for God. those of you who have listened this length, this, you'll, this you'll like this conspiracy. <laughs> you'll, God help you'll me. like this conspiracy theory. All right. Actually, uh, what's funny is that my direct report boss Rory listened. Uh, to the entire episode last time was terribly confused because he doesn't watch motorsports, so he doesn't really understand what's going uh-huh. on. Um, but he asked if there is a call-in section, and he's like, "And I'm like, you can only call in if it's something about motorsport." Oh, then I'm not interested. Oh, so you just wanted to call in and bust my chops? Okay, <laughs> and we'll see if he listens this long to catch that. If you bit. hey, if you wanna if you wanna text uh, or if you wanna send us a question email, have us explain the the anything that you don't understand. The formation lap at 101ESPN.com. See Rory, there you go. Like seriously, if you want us to explain like why Mercedes is good, we will do that. <laughs> we can do that. Yeah, we can do that for you. There's uh there we're gonna go over our favorite all time Formula One stories uh in the off season mm-hmm. and uh that is actually one of mine. Ah, uh, why Mercedes is so good. That's good. Well, one. yeah, what the birth of Mercedes was. But L- let's let, go. Yeah, let's talk about Miami Gardens. All right. This isn't hard hitting news like Renault might have been, but this is one that just oh my gosh. Miami Gardens swings for the fences, and they say that they have officially come out, the city has, as opposing the new Formula One race that would take place at Dolphin Stadium. Um, they cite some very odd reasons, and I think this is why I wanted to put this on here. It's so stupid. Um, like he, here's, it, it, go ahead. I agree with the late Robin Williams, late great Robin Williams. Politicians and diapers are the same because they should be ch- changed often and for the same reason. 
Um, and it's stuff like this. Yeah. So ultimately, it's up to Miami-Dade County to vote for this. So this this is a purely symbolic gesture. But the Miami Gardens passed a resolution that says that they are against it. So let's let's find some quotes. Here's uh, Erhabor Hikodaro. I don't know how to say this. That's okay. Bullet point. Yep. Uh, it, the Miami Gardeners Commission or the Miami Gardens Commissioner. Right. Uh, he goes. We need peace of mind, not pieces of your money. No peace, no justice. What? Right. And I'm like, what's that even? Mean? I'm like, when I hear no peace, no justice, I think of American like racial politics or, or like uh, or questions injustice about, in the in, in, in the in system, our, in the system, right. things like that. You don't think, hey, we're going to have a race here, right? I, that, where does where does justice figure into this? Where does no I, peace, no justice okay. figure into this race, Commissioner? I'm going to be honest with you. No. Yeah, that that um, doesn't make sense. But it's no, not this, the dumbest thing I've heard. <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, and then Councilwoman uh, Lily Odom voiced, uh, voiced her complaints I, as well. I'm going to have to resist making jokes about okay. that name. But <laughs> <laughs> um, saying that the uh, Formula One event could bring days of deafening engine noise and a disruption of the regular flow of traffic, as well as air quality concerns due to engine fumes. These are hybrids, you, Lily. You, Lily, you you. You use you create more CO two and more engine fumes driving your car and driving unle- your Prius right unless it's a Chevy Volt or a Tesla you literally do driving it twenty thirty minutes to work and in fact if you just go by gas numbers alone all right a forty minute commute to and from work uh, for two hundred fifty five people uses more gas than a Formula One car and uh, than a form- entire Formula One race rather yep. Yeah. And, you know, the thing for me is that Lily uh, shouldn't say this to the uh, elder uh, states people of the fandom of Formula One because they want it to be louder, right. a lot louder, several orders of magnitude louder. Right. So this is quiet. And if you have to complain about it, we're going to be like, oh, bro, no. You can hear brakes squealing louder than you can hear the engine. It's so true. It, and, and these are like those the yeah. really nice carbon discs. Yeah. They're on Fire most these of the are time. these are the people who look at the people wearing, you know, earmuffs around ear, you know, ear protectors around the cars and think that that's because they're super loud. I mean, it is, but that sound dissipates so fast. People in the front stretch don't don't wear them unless they're children, right? Um, and and I'm all this for this. Isn't a NASCAR it. race. This isn't even an Indy car race. And that's where I want to get into this. All right, is I have a theory. Okay. My conspiracy conspiracy theory is that Miami Gardens Council and the people reporting to the council don't know what sport this is. So they hear race and they call up two local areas that are fit their demographic that have races. And they say and they say, what is race day like? And they say, well, it's very loud. There's a lot of people. It kind of shuts down the whole town. What are the emissions like? Oh, man, they're just – they're hogs. They just burn off all sorts of emissions. It's awesome. What's the noise like? Oh, they'll blow your eardrums out. It's awesome. Okay, well, I think I know enough to uh, to to oppose Make this race. decision. Right. Click – Thanks for calling Daytona International Raceway. <laughs> thanks for calling Miami. Thanks for calling Homestead Miami Speedway. There it is. Yeah, I was going to say it's the Speedway mostly. Yeah, they're because um, calling- even I mean Daytona. I I just really love the twenty four hour race. Yeah, and yeah, it's loud, really loud. But it's not Formula like Formula One isn't that loud. Right. In fact, when Formula One introduced the new, much to the v- chagrin right. of the 
The V6 turbos, cans. when they were introduced, got lawsuits from a couple promoters because they said it was so much harder to market because the noise was not there. <laughs> <laughs> Can we find that? Uh, Let's find that. And this, that that is, that is something that uh, a good friend of mine at Gateway Motorsports Talk. Uh, nice. Park or Worldwide Technology Raceway told me uh, was that cool there spot. were there were a couple lawsuits about that. Like this is why I, I tweeted. It's like they don't even know the damn sport. Yeah, and I honestly think it's because they don't. It's because they looked at what the 500 does. They looked at what you know Homestead Miami Speedway does, and they said that they want to do that in our streets. And they don't understand that like this is extremely green. Yeah. A lot of the teams themselves, McLaren included, are carbon neutral anyway. Yeah. Like, that includes plane flights. They're carbon neutral. Um, because the only thing I could think of in emissions uh, that would actually be harmful is getting all the stuff there. But, again, though, flying and shipping your stuff doesn't directly affect Miami Gardens itself. No, not at all. Um, and, and, by the way, uh, Miami, you have a gigantic port with the most CO2-emitting machines on the planet coming in day in, day out. Right. And you have uh, ginormous airport. a gigantic airport with tons of jets. If you don't mind the air pollution from that, you're not going to mind Formula One. Yeah. Um, so, I, I, uh, yeah, that's my conspiracy theory is, is that they think the NASCAR race is coming or they base their opinions on what a NASCAR race is because NASCAR races are deafeningly loud. They're, Those are eardrum bleeders, right? They they freaking guzzle gas like they're Hummers. They they their engine fumes are just like, Phew. but yeah. that, that's part of the appeal though, and that's yeah. why you don't see freaking NASCAR tracks in the middle of downtown. Exactly, and I also love her comparisons and saying that it's not going to be as much as the mega dollars that the Dolphins oh, yeah, games this, bring. I forgot the Miami Dolphins are the worst football team in the I don't even like football and I know that here's here's what you need to know is is through, the Mizzou the Mizzou Tigers could beat them and the Mizzou Tigers can't beat anybody yeah. here's what you need to know is, is that through um so far in the season I think we're week six or seven yeah through week seven their point differential is the worst of all time and their point differential through seven games is worse than any team the Cleveland Browns or the Detroit Lions that has ever gone 0 and 16. <laughs> by That's like a hundred se- points, several orders of magnitude. Yeah, by- sweet. Oh my god! But like, sweet yeah, Lord. yeah. So, uh, um, here- so yeah, yeah, she says that uh, it's not going to bring in the mega dollars and tourism to the area. Uh, yeah, it is. And here's the kicker too: is this is actually a great deal for Miami Miami Gardens? It's supposed to have an estimated economic impact of four hundred million dollars, which. Obviously, a lot of that's going to go to the people who are, you know, selling the tickets, the race promoters. But race promoters, local uh, businesses that are boosted, right. local businesses hotels, are going like to get are going to get a good cut of it. Hotels are going to get a good cut of it. And Dolphins owner Stephen Ross said that he will cover all costs for a track out of his own pocket. Which, because at this point, he's like, "Yeah, cool. Yeah, bring it here. I don't care. Whatever gets me out of this watching a football game all day." Right. Uh, well, and here's the other thing too: is uh, there was a quote I didn't put it on here, but it was. I asked Dolphin's owner, why not your backyard? I asked Dol- I asked the uh whoever it is, why not do it at uh why not do it at your house, right? And it's like they own the Dolphins and they're building it on the Dolphins stadium area it with their own house. money. That kind of That e- is that is your like even if uh even if the is- even if the stadium's owned by Miami Dade County, which I'll I'll look it up actually. 
it kind of is your house already. It is. And I think uh, I, I saw another report from Joe Sayward, I think within the last day or two, where he's talking about how the local council is raising such a fit that now they're going to have a you know, public hearing and things like that. And it's it's just so ignorant. It's, you know, the, you have to sacrifice little. You gain a lot. And you it's stupid. This is absolute madness. Yeah, so Miami-Dade County doesn't own it. Uh, the Miami Dolphins own the Miami Hurricanes LLC, which owns the stadium. So he is building it on his own property. Literally. There will be one road. I think there's one road. It's the backstretch that is— Wait, are you saying a billionaire owns his own stadium? Yes. Sorry, uh, for those who are international listeners, I still have a beef with— Stan Kroenke. Yeah, I was going to say his name—I'm not going to say his name, but his initials start with Stan Kroenke. And, <laughs> um, yeah, I, mm, that's so, also part of the reason I don't want yeah, professional So why don't, you build it, why don't you build it on your own house? Because he did. he's building it on his own property. He is. <laughs> he, he literally, that's literally what he's doing. Yeah, it's his own property, and he's going to use one public road, which, by the way, would probably be, is probably more or less shut down during Dolphins games or tennis tournaments or whatever you have at Hard Rock Stadium. It, and it's, it's one weekend. It's chill. Three days. And it's, again, I bet you they called NASCAR and they were like, or they called Daytona and they're like, well, how long is, is your guys' race? Like five hours. Dude, it's, it's, it's one weekend and the amount of time that those deafening car noises are out there. It's, it's two and a half hours. Yeah. It never exceeds two and a half hours a day. Right. It's so <laughs> I, it's just, it, I, just, I think, I, I actually, I think there's a lot to that conspiracy theory, mostly because these statements and these arguments are born of ignorance. That's, that's what gets me. If you want to raise issues about the long-term sustainability of building a Formula One track and how they have a history of just kind of leaving tracks behind like in India, okay. Yeah, cool. Fair if enough. you want to raise something about like, you know, I don't know if we want – we've had a lot of people come in before for like the Super Bowl but never 300,000 people come in, right? right. Okay. But these comments – are are so off base of what the actual sport is that I honestly do think they're thinking it's a different sport. It, it has to. It, I, I think there there's a lot to that. And uh, with that, Luke is proceeding to the wall of shame for our second entry of the day, the Miami uh, Gardens Commission, because that was hilariously stupid. Um, still is, we, uh, we think you should all be better educated on what you're voting on. The fact that you aren't educated on it scares us to death, but, um, and he genuflects by the wall of fame as he returns to the booth. Yeah. Um, so by the way, if you guys go look up the city of Miami gardens founded in 2003, by the way. The ancient community, the bedroom community, of Miami Gardens. <laughs> Our bedroom community. Yeah. What? Uh, what? Their their logo kind of looks that? like there it's are so in... many dirty jokes I can make. <laughs> their logo. Why would you open yourself up to that? Looks like it's made in clip art. Their their it city really council logo. And you stole the gateway arch, so give that back. Uh, it's actually I looked it up. It's actually a, a local little monument, but it does look like I the don't arch. care. It's the gateway arch. Your yeah. copy. There is a copyright infringement. Yeah, with the city so of St. Louis, I put so there. I we're put, bigger than you. We've been around longer than you. Give it back. Yeah, uh, I put their logo on top of the outline for the track. So, uh, wall of shame for the city of Miami Gardens. That does not excuse Lynette Higginbottom from our wall as that one lady from Lynette, Miami. Lynette, there are, your name will forever live in infamy. I, I still remember it because <laughs> Formula One wouldn't race in a rich area. <laughs> that's 
<laughs> Lady, have you never heard of my? Have you never been out of Miami? But it goes to speak about you don't know what it. sport All this is. All of this is born of ignorance. Yeah. And I really hate when someone makes an ignorant argument. You can make an argument that I disagree with. Fine. Go for it. Go for it. Do your homework, make an argument, and I'll listen. Yeah. Uh, don't make an argument about something that doesn't even like it's If anyone from the commission wants to call in oh and talk gosh. with us, we're, we are happy to educate you. We would love to have you on. I'm going to reach out to the, to the Miami Gardens Commission. Let's do it. I'm going to reach Let's. out to them and ask you if they would please come on our show for an interview. I don't want to be the guy who grills them. I just want to hear... Where they got this information. Right, where they got this information. I think these are, those are because that's a legit question. Because if they're raising these things, talking about how it's never been in a rich area, Monaco, if you've, ne- you know, talking about how it doesn't bring in mega dollars, yeah, it does. And, you know, how deafeningly loud it's going to be. I'm really wondering who they talk to and where they're getting this misinformed mm-hmm. stuff. The, the deafeningly loud one is my favorite because oh, people complain God. it's too quiet. Yeah. It's uh, so stupid. Also, yeah, we'll wrap it up here, but also, uh, lost sound is lost energy so it behooves teams to be quieter and yeah. figure out a way to capture that that energy that's being shed yeah <laughs> like that, it's, just... it's literally against the nature of the sport to be too loud anymore <laughs> killing me uh so if you want to text us uh or if actually if you want to email us uh the formation lab at 101espn.com we don't have a text line because again it's a podcast we don't do it live <laughs> That but, won't uh, stop. That won't stop my boss. Uh, Twitter at Formation Lap One Hundred and One. Twitter at Tim STLF One. Uh, tweet at us. Message us. Tell us about. Disagree with yeah, us. Disagree with us. Uh, like we said, as long as you make an argument that isn't complete blown, bonkers, right? Yeah, I, I'll listen to you. Shoot. Yeah, me too. All right. Well, that's it. Come on, come at us. Call us next week. We'll be having the yeast of Hawes in Austin. We're going to have just the rootin' tootin'est time, all right? I'm going to give it three the E's. The yeast of Hawes. The yeast of that all Hawes, all right? That's probably my favorite one of those that you've done. <laughs> That's hilarious. We're going to open up next week with a big old yeehaw. I think <laughs> we are. Our cold open. This week on the Formation Lap. We should, we should, we should get some sugar fire and just eat ribs while we, while we talk I'm about sorry, it. I'm sorry, sir. You mean pappies? Uh, well, sugar. Well, I would I would say pappies, but sugar fire is like two feet down the road. So, yeah, and we are lazy. So, yeah, that sounds good. Also, right. also, they're sponsors of the station. Hashtag friends of the station. Anyways, we're gonna edit out the nice <laughs> pappies. Oops. <laughs> no, we're we're fine. All right, all right. There's there's no wrong barbecue down. It's all good. I was gonna say. Yeah, all yeah. right. Well, have a have a fantastic week. <laughs> well, we're gonna argue about barbecue off off mic. See you guys next week. Holiday tips and fun facts from Paul, Kristen, and Dexter at Total Wine & More. Did you know there are over 10,000 wine grape varieties worldwide? Here's to thousands of gift possibilities. My go-to holiday wine is Chardonnay. I love it with turkey and potatoes. Pile on the gravy. Let me show you our more than 8,000 party-perfect wines that are in your budget and out of this world. Whether you're entertaining or just bringing the wine, we'd love to share our always low prices and ridiculous selection with you this holiday. Now offering same-day delivery at TotalWine.com. Cheers! 
At Metro, the best deal in wireless is on. Switch to Metro and get one full Amazon Prime membership included every month. Plus, get two free phones from top brands like Samsung and LG with huge HD screens. All with two lines for just 90 bucks. That's the best deal in wireless, only at Metro. Plus sales tax and activation fee. Requires port and of eligible number not currently active on T-Mobile Network or active on Metro in past 90 days. Limit four per account or household. Offer subject to change. Offer valid for new Amazon Prime members. Amazon Prime has a $12.99 per month value. Restrictions apply. See store for details and terms and conditions.